Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hi, Winnipeg Jets fans, and welcome to the audio version of my Random Thoughts. I just posted the written article on Twitter, and like I said there, this was not the article I wanted to be writing after four games. And conversely, this is not the podcast I wanted to do after four games either. But it is what it is, so let's get at her. Number one. After a great start to the series, the Winnipeg Jets now face elimination Thursday night in Las Vegas. Already without Nikolai Ehlers, the Jets lost Josh Morrissey and Mark Shifley to injury. Josh is out the rest of the series, and Mark Shifley needs to be further evaluated but his injury didn't look good. I still maintain the Jets had a chance to win this series, but now with them missing three of their best players, the chances are slim and none, and Slim just left town. We're at that point now where it's you take it one game at a time, and I believe the only hope we have right now is Connor Hellebuck has to be Vezina, Connor Hellebuck, which he hasn't been so far in this series. We need Kyle Connor to, <laughs> to show up. We need... Pierre-Luc Dubois to carry this team on his back. Um, we got to shut it down defensively and try to keep it a close, low-scoring game. Uh, I never give up hope because I've seen the Jets do this when they've been, you know, undermanned during the regular season. You know, and I, I yes, I get it. We're playing a very good Vegas team. But they looked very beatable, you know, in their two home games. So I hope we still have hope. That's the fan in me. Number two. You can say whatever you want about Sacramento Linens and Kevin Stenland's lack of scoring, but the way they compete and use their size, it's very conducive to playoff hockey, and their give-a-shit level is high. Yeah, you know, I don't expect my fourth-line players to win hockey games for me. I just expect them to do their job defensively and not lose the hockey game for us. So I have no complaints with them. Yeah, they both chipped in a point. Uh, that's more than I can say for uh, Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron. They're still on the schneid. So it would be nice if they could kick something in on Thursday night and get this series back to Winnipeg. Number three. Like most Jets fans, I thought it looked like Josh Morrissey injured his knee in that collision with Zach Whitecloud. But I'm not so sure. Because Logan Stanley took the warm-up as there was apparently a question mark about a defenseman. We don't know who. So maybe Morrissey's injury was from last game, but nobody really knows. The thing I find puzzling about this whole Morrissey injury was, you know, if he was the game-time decision, and he probably told the coach, okay, I'm good, I'm ready to go. If there was any doubt, and especially when you're dealing with a defenseman, why wouldn't they dress a seventh defenseman just in case? You know, as it turns out, we, uh, I mean, I know <laughs> retrospective analysis is, uh, is a wonderful thing, but as it turns out, the Jets went into a double overtime game with <laughs> only five defensemen. So it looks like uh, Josh Morrissey and Rick Bonus definitely misread the situation. Number four. I think a lot of hockey fans would like to see the salary cap be included in the NHL playoffs. And not so much because of the player that miraculously gets healthy for the playoffs. No, it's because of the players that these teams acquire at the trade deadline because of the extra money they have 
because they have players on the LTIR. You know, it's just another CBA loophole that NHL GMs are exploiting. I mean, it happened, well, it happened with Tampa and Kucherov. It happened with Mark Stone. You know, I don't doubt that Kucherov and or Mark Stone were ever injured. But, but the crazy thing is, so these guys go on the long-term injury and all of a sudden these teams have extra money and who knows, like maybe Stone was ready two weeks, three weeks ago, but he couldn't play because they would be technically over the salary cap. But it allowed Vegas to pick up a pretty nice player like, uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev uh, last year or was it two years ago when the, it was the Kucherov one. These teams are allowed to, uh, you know, acquire players because of their extra money. And it's, uh, like I say, it's a loophole that they've got to fix because it's, you know, in a way it is CBA salary cap circumvention. I have no idea why you have a salary cap all year. Then in the playoffs, it's just a free-for-all. It just makes no sense. Number five, game three was a tough loss to swallow. You know, but the fact the Jets went four-plus periods without their best defenseman, Josh Morrissey, the other five guys were forced to play inflated minutes. It was actually a minor miracle we even got that game to overtime. The Jets' defenseman's ice time for this game were Neil Pionk, 41 minutes and 8 seconds. Dylan DeMello, 36 minutes and 31 seconds. Brendan Dillon, 30 minutes and 30 seconds. Nate Schmidt, 28 minutes and 42 seconds. And Dylan Sandberg, 22 minutes even. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Anybody who's a regular reader or listener to my podcast, Random Thoughts, etc., they know how hard I've been on Pionk all year. Neil Pionk was an absolute beast in this game. I give him nothing but credit. He, he tried to carry this team on his back. Um... He was a huge part of the third period comeback. He potted three assists. Uh, he competed like hell. He's not a big guy, but I'll tell you, he is feisty. Uh, Dylan DeMello, 36 minutes. He, he's, uh, he's a better player than most people think. I have never been so impressed with him as I have been in these playoffs. And the other guys, you know, Dylan Schmidt, Sandberg, everybody had elevated minutes, and they really uh, they responded well. No complaints. It sure was a tough loss, but it sure wasn't from a lack of effort from these five guys. Uh, they played their guts out. Number six. Blake Wheeler has two goals and three assists in this series. Not bad for a guy many fans wanted to run out of town. Blake Wheeler gets a bad rap from a lot of uh, fans in this market. But one thing you can say about him, yeah, maybe his skills are diminishing a little bit. But his compete level is still there. And like I say, managing to score five points in four games is no small feat against a very good hockey team. So kudos to you, Blake. Uh, number seven. I think Connor Hellebuck's playing this series has been okay, but it hasn't been great. And now the Jets are in a position being down three games to one of needing great. The only chance in hell that this team has of winning another game is Connor Hellebuck to be superhuman. He uh, he has the game in him. I don't think he's been good in this series. To me, this is like deja vu. It's a replay of 2018 where he got outgoalied by Mark andre Fleury, although he did play fairly well in that series. I don't think he's been great in this series by any means. 
Um, everybody figured if we were ever going to win a game in this series, he'd have to steal it. Well, he could he could have sat back in a rocking chair in that 5-1 victory in game one. And uh, so far in the last three games, he's made some big saves. But he just, uh, put it this way, um, we need the best version of Connor Hellebuck. And that's all, that's all we're asking. Number eight. The Winnipeg Ice won their Eastern Conference semifinal series versus Moose Jaw four games to two, and now they await the winner of Red Deer and Saskatoon. The Blades host the Rebels tonight in game seven, and the Ice will get the winner of that series, and the Ice will have home ice advantage, and I believe that series will start later this week. And uh, whether it's Red Deer or Saskatoon, it's going to be a great series. A little bit of kudos to Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, they played the, except for the, the clinching game, they played the ice pretty uh, pretty tough in this series. And because of basically conflicting dates with Jets games and other playoff hockey, I actually haven't had a chance to catch many Winnipeg ice games. But I did watch most of game five. And after being down 2-0 in the first period to Moostra, um, they dominated after that. And they ended up closing it out with two empty net goals and winning it 5-2. The next series won't be easy, and nor should it be. Um, I think Red Deer or Saskatoon will give the ice a good series. But the ice are well coached, and they have good goaltending. So I'd be surprised if they don't make it to the WHL final. Number nine. Kyle Connor has scored and has points in this series, but he has been a non-factor with his persistence to play on the perimeter that's so easily defended. <laughs> and I opened up my... Uh, my DM last night on Twitter and <laughs> one of the guys sent me a pretty funny picture and it's uh, the old uh, milk carton with the missing player on it it uh, says have you seen me? If found contact the Winnipeg Jets and they got a picture of uh, Kyle Connor on the, on the milk box um, you know he's not just frustrating me he's frustrating all Jets fans He's supposed to be our leading scorer and one of our best players, but it's so he's so predictable. I just just shake my head. He comes down the ice every time, and the part that gets me, there's times when he has a step on the defender, and with Connor's speed, all he has to do is just angle to the net, take the puck to the net, make him pull you down, but he does the same two things every time. Um, if he doesn't shoot it, which I, I like when he does shoot it. But he skates down hard, he gets to the goal line, and then he curls, looks for a trailer. Or else he skates behind the net. Like, I don't get it. I, you know, he's, he, he's a different player for sure. He likes, uh, he likes to hit the soft zones and shoot, blah, blah, blah. But with his speed, uh, he should be taking the puck to the net, make guys haul him down. I watch a guy that's probably the same size as him and a lot younger in Jack Hughes with New Jersey. And when he gets the puck on the outside, he doesn't dilly-dally and fucking figure skate. He drives to the net, and he makes those guys make a play on him, a good play on him. And more often than not, he gets a scoring chance, or he has a chance to draw a penalty. Kyle Connor is so soft. His play is so frustrating. And uh, it, finally, other people are seeing it beside me. And I'm not picking on him. Let's change that. Yeah, fuck, I am picking on him. Step up, for fuck's sake. This team needs you, and all you want to do is play the, the easy way. 
It's playoffs. If you want to score, you got to go to the tough areas and the greasy areas. Everything can't be tic-tac-toe or a nice little snipe. Come on, Connor, get your fucking head in the game. Let's go. Number 10. Was the Game 3 winning goal by Vegas in double overtime a bad turnover by Dylan Sandberg or an unfortunate bounce? Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. There were a lot of irrational, upset Jet fans post-game, and that's understandable. It was a, We were put through the ringer in that game of being down by three goals and having that magnificent comeback and then going, you know, a full overtime scoreless. And then, you know, it was a simple, what should have been a simple play, but it was, you know, could he have made a better read? Yeah, he could have put it around the boards. He thought he had time to make the pass. It uh, was an un- unlucky bounce off of uh, Ivan Barbashev and bang into the slot. And before you knew it, game over. And nobody felt worse about it than Dylan Sandberg himself. You know, there's a lot of plays in a hockey game that can, you know, go either way. And that was one of them. Um, I, you know, I had no problem uh, defending him. Um, it happens. It's happened to better players than him. And it'll continue to happen. Uh, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw and the lucky bounce. And it was Vegas' night. So uh, we'll just let it go at that. Number 11. Although Vegas was my preferred opponent in the first round, I haven't forgotten they were the best team in the Western Conference. But it seems like a lot of Jets fans have. And you know they think we should have had a cakewalk because we have the better goalie. Uh, unfortunately, hockey doesn't work that way. And I would dare say that uh, the better goalie, Connor Hellebuck, uh, has probably been the second best goalie in this series. So, you know, you never, you never doubt or you never take for granted. I mean, we're an eighth seed. Who the fuck do we think we are? Yes, we have a chance. But this is a team that's been at the top of the Western Conference all year. They played without Mark Stone all year. They probably ran the gambit of about four to five goalies this year. So they're not chumps. Um, so it's one of these things like uh, that just irritates me about Jet fans at times. You know, uh, they get over-optimistic or they maybe they don't watch enough of the rest of the league and they make assumptions. And uh, some of it's maybe fueled by uh, social media. Some of it could be fueled by mainstream media. But uh, the reality is, is Vegas is a very well-balanced team, and overall, they've been better than us all year. So, yeah, we're, they say, you are what your record says you are, and we're 1-3 right now, although it is not over. <laughs> Number 12. <laughs> this was our poll question. Who is your pick in the Jets' night series? Uh, after the Winnipeg took a big lead <laughs> early on in the in the playoff series, uh, uh, it's taken a hard right turn to Vegas, and uh, they are now leading the votes. Um, I'm I'm guessing all the Vegas votes came in within the last two days, but uh, yes, now they're ahead. Uh, I think it's 57-44 somewhere around in that range, uh, which is not surprising. They're up three one. Uh, if I had to vote, I'd vote Vegas, but I won't do it. Uh, number 13 was my weekly question for Rick Bonus, Kevin Shevel Day Off, or Mark Chipman. This week again, it's for Rick Bonus. Why all the cloak and dagger bullshit with Nick Ehlers' injury status? 
If he's out, just say so. This just annoys the piss out of me. Personally, I think he's hurt. I think he's separated the shoulder or something and they're just playing fucking head games. You know, like they're going to fool somebody. Like, Vegas is going to play their game. They don't care who's in our lineup. All they're doing is uh, giving false hope to the fans, maybe that Ehlers will return. That hit he took from uh, from Hartman was pretty severe. And although he's, he's saying that he's ready to play, and he's working out with a full contact jersey on, which is leading to all kinds of speculation that he's a healthy scratch, uh, Rick Bonus doesn't like him. Um, I think it's just head games. He's hurt, and that's why he's not playing. Number 14. In number 14, I take a look at the, uh, the playoff special teams numbers. And, of course, these are based on 16 teams in the postseason. Uh, I find them quite interesting. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, the power play right now is ranked third at 41.7%. And that's up for, from the regular season when they were sitting at 24th at 19.1. That's a hell of a difference. Of course, a small sample size, but that just goes to show you that so far in the playoffs that the power play hasn't hurt them. Uh, I think one power play did hurt them, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, penalty kill out of the uh, 16 teams were sitting at 4th at 85.7. Yeah, during the regular season, we hovered around 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. We finished the regular season at 82.8. So, pretty consistent there. Uh, the, for the most part, the boys have done a pretty good job on the, on the PK. I didn't like a couple, or I didn't like the one Eichel goal that they scored off the, uh, uh, from the line A Ovechkin spot there on the right. Um, but uh, overall, can't, you know, so far we can't blame this series on special teams. Uh, face-offs, uh, 16 teams were at ninth at exactly 50%. Uh, these numbers are skewed. I didn't bother to go into the separation, which I should do, because you, uh, you can go in there and get the numbers uh, from the defensive zone, the neutral zone, and on the offensive zone. Um, it seems that uh, whenever we get, or whenever we're on the penalty kill, that that's the draw we always lose. And right away, Vegas has been starting, you know, their power play with possession. And it's just, uh, uh, it's so frustrating that we can never win that so-called big face-off. But overall, the penalty kill has been okay. So the, the face-offs haven't really hurt us. Um, then we'll look at uh, next with the Jets goaltending. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's the only goalie to play. Uh, his record obviously is one in three. His goals against average is three point two one, and his save percentage is even worse at uh, eight nine five. Uh, fuck, eight nine five just ain't gonna get it done. Um, you know, Brossois. His save percentage is, I think, 902, 903, which is marginal. I mean, uh, over 900 is, is okay for the NHL, but, you know, the elite goalies and, like, Kelly's numbers all season have been, like, you know, in the 915 to 925 range, and that's what he needs. He'll probably need to be even better than that on Thursday night, or else we're going to get the fucking doors blown off us. But, uh, yeah, Hellebuck, 
has been the second best goalie in this series, and I don't mind saying that. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, but that's what it is. Moving on to number 15. The good, the bad, and the ugly so far in games one through four. Uh, the good. Pierre-Luc Dubois in game one. He was an absolute beast. He was super, super, super competitive, and he played very hard. Um, Adam Lowry and Dylan DeMello are playing their best hockey as Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Dylan DeMello has uh, been outstanding in this series, and Adam Lowry is just built for playoff hockey. Uh, he does everything. He does everything well. Uh, I'm just surprised that his wingers haven't been more effective because he's been very good. The bad, and this was the point I was going to get to uh, when we were talking about the power play. Uh, the Jets' four-on-three power play in the first period of game two. You know, we were up one nothing, dominated that period in shots, and we got that four-on-three, and oh my God, our guys... They did nothing but pass it around the perimeter for the whole power play. No shots on goal, no net front presence. It's like Kyle Connor's fucking perimeter play is contagious. It just drives me crazy. Um, the other bad was I got here, MIA Kyle Connor. Uh, for a guy that's supposed to be your leading goal scorer, he sure isn't leading the charge. And uh, I'll get back to that in a couple seconds. Um, the ugly, obviously, was the 75-stitch cut close to Morgan Barron's right eye. And then add in the injuries to uh, 44 and 55. That's, uh, you know, that's two pretty big pieces to lose out of your lineup when you are already have Nikolai Ehlers. And some will argue Cole Perfetti, although I don't buy it. He's small. He's slow. He would have got eaten up in this series. But back to the Kyle Connor part. Um, Funny thing was, um, after the the game one victory by the Jets, Vegas fans and media were all over. <laughs> they were all over Eichel, and they were all over Mark Stone. Uh, I get it. I mean, fans are passionate, and uh, they expect what they expect from their best players, and so do we. But this is what they've gotten from their best players after that first game. Jack Eichel has four points in the next three games and has been pretty darn solid. And uh, Mark Stone, <laughs> this is the best part. Mark Stone, who hasn't played all frickin' season, has five points in this series. Uh, not bad for a guy who's supposedly out of shape and slow and this and that. They're, they're big guys and they're experienced. Well, Eichel, no experience in the playoffs, but Mark Stone sure as hell is, and uh, uh, they brought their A games, and they were, you know, of of the top players on both teams, uh, they were very good in both the games here in Winnipeg, and I wish we could say that about I, but our I'm, I know I'm being really super hard on Kyle Connor, but his fucking disappearing act is getting tiring. Um, anytime the game is heavy, which is all playoff games. He, he disappeared. He was fuck nowhere to be found at that Montreal series two years ago, playing in the bubble. We had the Canadian division. Um, the last time that we played, uh, I guess it was St. Louis in that. Yeah, he was kind of okay. 
what we got into a bit of a run and gun series there. But uh, I, I, I'm going to be totally honest right now. I, I don't think this team can win with Kyle Connor. Um, you may need him to put up numbers during the regular season to get you there. But fuck, I sure wouldn't count on him during the playoffs. And uh, that's just the way I feel about him right now. And like I said, I'm not alone. A lot of other people are seeing it. Um, it's time we started getting players that are more conducive to playoff hockey. Uh, if, you're, if you're ever going to win, I mean, you have to have a good mix. But we have um, we have too many guys that still want to play on the outside. I mean, like look at Mason Appleton. He can skate. He's strong. And he does, like, it's almost like he went to the Kyle Connor summer school of let's how to, let's play on the perimeter. He's the same fucking way. It just drives me crazy. But in saying that, yeah, I'm sour right now because we're down three games to one. I really thought we were going to be two all. Um, I don't think we're done by any stretch because I have, I still, for some sick reason, have uh, faith that we can, you know, flip the switch. I don't doubt that we're going to get... Connor Hellebuck's best. I don't doubt that we're going to get a lot of compete from a lot of the other guys like Wheeler and uh, Dubois and uh, Lowry. We know that's coming. What we need is some offense from Kyle Connor, and we need it now. And if he can't deliver, I think it's time to start looking at moving on from him too. Sounds harsh, but that's just the way I feel. If, uh, if you can't get it done in the playoffs, then what the fuck good are you? So in saying that, um, I think we'll wrap her up for this week. Uh, I, I'm very, very uh, thankful that you guys take the time to stop and listen, especially when I get fucking curmudgeonly and get on these rants. But uh, that's just because I care and I really like my hockey team and I want you know the best for them and the fans. And at times we don't get it. It's very frustrating, but... Uh, Tell your friends about the podcast, whether you like me or not. You know, you can find us at the home, the, the, <laughs> the mecca, winnipeghockeytalk.com, Spotify, Google, Apple, you name it, we're there. And hopefully at this time next week, um, I'll have a little bit more positive to say, you know, maybe our guys can throw a little bit of a scare into them. I don't know what the schedule is. I'm guessing if we... Um, if we play Thursday night, we'll probably be back home here Saturday night. And then probably, if, if hopefully, if there's a game seven, it'll be next week. So maybe, if, you know, things go right, if the hockey gods look down upon us, maybe at this time next week, we'll be talking about a series tied at three all, looking at game seven. Keep your fingers crossed. Go Jets, go, let's get it done boys, we still believe.